Wow, that was a very special presentation by our children, was it not? I'm so grateful that we got to be a part of that. And uh, we're grateful that you're here. We think that God wants to take just a few minutes to say something to us. I'm going to be reading some verses in just a moment from Second Peter. So if you want to open your Bible and uh, look at the first chapter of Second Peter, which is all the way near the end of the New Testament, you can read that with me in just a moment. I don't know about you, but when I was a child, I just couldn't hardly wait for Christmas. Now that I'm older, it just comes around too often, right? <laughs> it's just like, gosh, wasn't it summer last week? But anyway, uh, when I was a child... Oh, we still have more children to go. Okay. Anybody else that needs to go to Promised Land, you're to be dismissed now. So fifth grade and under uh, in the classroom out here? Okay. And I think there's some goodies out there, but you older kids have to stay. Sorry. <laughs> All right, very good. So, um, I don't know about you, but when I would be anticipating Christmas coming up, and I'd see the tree, and I'd see all the cool wrapped stuff underneath, I would sneakily, I know you didn't, but I was kind of devious, and I would sneakily go over to the tree when nobody was looking, and I'd find the ones that had my name on it, and I'd pick it up, you know, and I'd be feeling it and kind of shaking it, and sometimes I was trying to see if that tape was really down firm, you know, on the wrapping, just to see, you know, kind of what was coming. And then on Christmas Eve, we would get to open uh, a gift or two, and then we would open the rest of them on Christmas morning. And I couldn't wait. You know, I'd just start tearing through all that beautiful, carefully wrapped stuff, and I'm just hurling paper everywhere. You remember that day? And uh, I'd get to whatever little box, and I'd open it up, and there was a pair of socks. (laughs) And, you know, I'd been taught, uh, be grateful. You're right. And so I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, and I was quickly going to something else because I wanted to get to the good stuff. I wanted to get to the good gifts. You ever kind of have that whole mentality? It's it's sick. I know. But that's just where I was as a kid. I just, you know, thank you for the socks. Now, is there any like robots and all that kind of stuff? Um, You ever thought about how God might think about Christmas? It was his idea after all, right? He probably has some thoughts about Christmas. And as a matter of fact, uh, the whole thing is about him having come and given us the gift. And so uh, Christmas has often been associated with gift giving because he has given us the gift. And now we've had this tradition through the years of giving one another gifts. And what I want to talk with you just a few minutes about today is what are some of those gifts that need to be given that you can't find at the mall? I'm saving you a trip to the mall. But in some ways, what we'll be talking about might be just a little more difficult. So in the beginning of all this, 2,000 years ago, when God gifted us with the birth of Christ, Some wise men came from the east, as you know. And when they found that Christ child, we're told that they fell down, they worshipped Him, and opening their treasures, they gave Him gifts. Right? Gold, frankincense, myrrh, you know, these precious items. 
as acts of worship and adoration and love. I want to suggest to you that over these next few weeks, what would be of primary concern for us, for God, is that we give Him, give God gifts. Worship Him as the wise men of old with gifts. And that we give Him the good stuff. Give Him the, the good gifts. Now, you say, what would those good gifts be? What's the good stuff that God might be interested in? Well, this is what we're going to talk about over the next two or three weeks. It's not all happening today. But a, a growing life is something that we give to God. A forgiving life, where we learn to forgive others well. A peacemaking life, where we learn how to reconcile relationships and get along. A trusting life, where we, we grow into greater capacities to trust Him. A life of integrity. A life whose character is God-honoring. Those are the good gifts. That's the good stuff that we get to give to God. And today we're especially focusing on giving Him a growing life. And we're going to be zeroing in on what that looks like by looking in the New Testament at the book of Second Peter. And we're going to be in chapter 1. And I encourage you to read along or listen carefully. Uh, as the Apostle Peter tells us, His divine power has given us everything we need. Well, we could stop right there. Amen? Is that awesome? Merry Christmas. He has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Now, if you're not reading along with me, this is just sweeping right by you. So let me accent a couple of things. He has given us the divine nature. You are given by God an out-of-this-world life. You go, it doesn't always feel like it's out of this world. It kind of feels like it's under this world. Keep reading. So He has given you uh, the capacity to participate in the divine nature and to escape the corruption, the fallenness, the brokenness of this world that's caused by evil desires. Verse 5, For this reason, because He has given you such a good Christmas gift, Make every effort. The language in the ancient uh, Greek there is so strong. Intensely, uh, passionately, all your heart, all your being. Add to your faith goodness. Add to goodness knowledge. Add to knowledge self-control. Add to self-control perseverance. Add to perseverance godliness. Add to godliness brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness add love. In other words, grow, become, develop in all these kinds of ways. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Or the positive way to say this is, it'll give you a dynamic, life-impacting, world-changing, it-makes-a-difference-that-you-drew-breath kind of life. Interested? But if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind. He's just letting the good stuff go right by. So I just want to talk about these qualities for a couple of minutes with you and uh, invite us to give it to God uh, and we'll be through. All right. Now, when we start talking about sometimes how things were written a long time ago in another language like Greek and you try to bring that into English like in one word, there's so much nuance that is missed. So I want to go back over these six qual- or seven qualities that God just said, build this into your life, grow this, uh, get intense and passionate about developing this in your life. Uh, the first one that he said is uh, not just goodness, but virtuous thinking. Now, we may be more familiar with what we refer to as stinking thinking. Right? The kind of thinking that, you know, is a little bit on the pessimistic, the negative side. I think about people in wrong, objectifying kinds of ways. I think about stuff in wrong, overvaluing kinds of ways and so on. That's the stinking thing to me. He says, no, grow in your capacity to think rightly, virtuously about things and about people. What if over the next few months you enlarged your capacity to think virtuously? And you thought about people in a holy kind of way, in a loving kind of way, in a compassionate, in a, in a caring kind of way, in a discerning kind of way, rather than in an objectifying kind of way. Wouldn't that be awesome? He says, uh, grow, develop this spiritual understanding. Wouldn't it be awesome if over the next few months you developed increased capacity to discern the moving of God around your life? The whispers of God through prayer so that you know what He's saying. The leadings, the directings of God. Wouldn't that be awesome to grow in spiritual understanding? And then He said, uh, develop this, not just self-control, but the mastery of your passions. Isn't it awesome that God gave us passions? He gave us capacity to feel strongly about things and about people, about opportunities, about dreams. He says, I don't want you to be mastered by those passions. I want you to master the passions. Let me fill you with passions and then give you a capacity to work with and to guide and to control those passions. What about over the next year if you became more clear than ever, crystal clear about your purpose for life? God has a plan for you. God had a plan for you before your parents even drew breath, much less conceived you. And His plan is something that is awesome and it's eternal. His plan for you is something that makes a difference, not only today and in this world, but for all time and eternity. You matter. And so wouldn't it be awesome that better than ever, you understood that purpose and you lived a focused, directed, determined, purpose-filled life? Wouldn't that be awesome? That's a gift to give to Him. And then He says, 
not just godliness, but this kind of reverent wonder where in childlike fashion you can be awed by God again. No more succumbing to cynicism and skepticism, but a heart that is enlarged and free to see who God is and all of His greatness and all of His glory. Give Him that kind of growing life gift. And he says, not just brotherly uh, affection or brotherly love for one another, but that you're, you're able to uh, demonstrate, you're able to express, you're able to, uh, to give a connected kind of affection one to another. That like brothers and sisters in a family, we know how to embrace each other. We know how to be embraced by each other. Listen, we all have relational tanks. And most of us live with those relational tanks with a needle near empty. Just barely above the E mark so that we can kind of get along, go along. What if we were able to relationally get to a full tank and know how to engage people relationally in life-filling kinds of ways? He says, earnestly desire and, and lean into and move and grow in that. And then he says, not just love, but benevolent actions toward all people. Toward all people. Not just how you feel about them, but what you will do for them and toward them. Listen, I, you know, some of us have been around here for a while. Th these are unusual, exceptional days. The threat of terror in our country remains very significant. The economy is very precarious. We've got more addictive behaviors and more fallout from addictive uh, experiences than ever. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of wounded and confused living that's going on right now. What if God gave us increased capacity to not only see people for who they are and, and how they hurt, but capacities to care, to have compassion, and to act and do something that blesses them? They see, what Peter says is, God's already given you all these qualities. The gift you give Him back is taking the qualities and working them, intensely pursuing them, cooperating with His Spirit to develop them so that you become more and more and more of these qualities. What a gift to give to the Lord. You can't get that at the mall. Hallelujah. You get that from Him and you work with it and you give it back to Him. Now, I uh, came across a story just this past week about Robert and Glenda Lennon. They have a small little yacht, and they'd gone off the Florida coast to do a little fishing, just the two of them, and they'd actually gone four miles out. Did you, did you see this story? And, and as they'd been doing some fishing, uh, they got to the point where they were a little tired and a little bored, and... Glenda decided to go for a swim, so she jumps off the side and she's swimming around the boat a little bit. And the tide changes and becomes more strong. 
And the next thing she knows, she's being taken away from their boat. And she's trying to swim back the boat. She can't get back the boat. She yells to her husband and her husband says, you know, I'll be there. And without thinking, he jumps off the side of the boat to go get her. And the current picks up and neither one of them can get back to the boat. And he is like this, you know, competitive, awesome swimmer. She is a barely keep my head above water swimmer. And so they agree that he will do everything he can to swim back to the boat. She is just going to hang on to a little floating uh, vest that she had and just kind of go with the current. Once he gets back on the boat, then he will come to her in the boat and pick her up. Good plan, right? Except that the current and the tide continue to get stronger and stronger and uh, propel more and more away from the boat. And so Robert, no kidding, as uh, competitive and great a swimmer as he is, he can't beat the tide to get back to the boat. And literally, with everything he's got, with all the capacity he's got, he swims toward that boat for six hours. And finally, the tide changed. And his efforts saw him being propelled toward the boat. And he was able, with extreme exhaustion, to get back on the ship. And then he spends the night looking for his wife, who has just drifted farther and farther away, to try to bring her back on board. Can't find her. He's called rescue personnel. By the break of dawn, the next day, the next morning... He and several rescue people are out now looking for her. And after many, many hours, they find her over 20 miles away. And she's still alive. And it has a happy ending to the story. But the point is this, friends. In life's currents, in life's tide, there's no such thing as standing still. And with all that God has given you, these seven uh, awesome qualities that He's given all of us, there is no such thing as just receiving that from Him and staying in place. You will drift. Life's current, the culture's current, will take you miles and miles from God's plan and God's purpose, from God's person. This culture will drift you away. And what Peter is saying is, you have got to swim like crazy. You've got to put everything you've got into uh, embracing these qualities and developing these qualities and being a growing child of God. And with that kind of persistence, the cultural tide for you changes and it begins to move you into God while others are being taken in drift away from God. You follow me? Recently, Woodrow and Lois Nelson won the lottery. You ever want to win the lottery? You ever thought about, oh, if I could just get those mega millions, I'll do all these good things and pay my bills. You know, that kind of thing. Well, the Nelsons were stunned to find their ticket numbers to match up to the published numbers and when they saw they matched up they went berserk would you they just 12 million dollars and they started celebrating and the news people came and began to catch their story and so on and as they went to the lottery office to actually turn in the ticket and so on 
Do you know a number had been published incorrectly? And just like that, you got 12 mil, you don't have 12 mil. And that, that disappointment, that shock was so devastating to Woodrow. He had a heart attack and he died. I mean, you think about the disappointment. Can I say to you lovingly as your friend, what God wants to give to us, the life that He wants to give to us, is a million times more than the lottery. But friends, some of you don't have the ticket you think you have. And on the day of accountability, the day that we stand before God and give a reckoning for our life, some of us are going to find out that what we thought we had isn't in fact what God saw that we didn't have. Here's what Peter says. You want to know how you know that you know that you know that God is in your life and that you're saved and forgiven from your sins and that heaven is your home someday when you die and so on. You want to know how you know that? He says you know that because these seven qualities are not only a part of your everyday experience, but you are working like crazy to develop them, to become a growing person. If that is not true for you, then that is an indicator. That is a hint that you may never have really received the gift that He tried to give you to begin with. And so that's why He says in verse 10, try even harder to make God's call, God's gift to you, His choice of you, a permanent experience. If you do so, you will never abandon your faith. Work it, work it, work it. Lean into God. Trust God. Seek God. Develop a life. Grow a life. Work against the tide of the culture. That all is evidence. You really got it. Friend, if you're just willing to drift along wherever the cultural tide takes you, you probably don't have the gift that God gave. So, what do you do about that? I'm going to suggest these three things. One, would you choose to give God the good stuff? Now, there's a step before that. And that is to receive the good stuff. You receive a life from Him. Then you spend all your heart, soul, strength, might developing it, growing it, and give it back to Him. Would you choose to give the good stuff, to give a good life to God by striving and you're growing as a follower of Christ. Refusing, refusing, refusing to drift into distance from God.
Let me pray for you. Father, these friends have been drawn to this hour by Your Spirit. Oh, we thought we came for a program or for a friend's invitation or our habit, but Your Spirit has drawn us to divine appointment. And I pray, Lord, that all You purposed for this appointment would come to pass. That every heart and life that You've been drawing to Yourself would come. That every life that is in Your hand would strive and work and contend to build and develop and grow that life and give it back to You. I pray in Jesus' name. In the wondrous name of Christ. Amen. Amen.